Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Happy Elden Ring Day. How are you, <laughs> I am very good. I am smelting the Belden. You know what I'm saying? I'm I sniffing it. no idea what that means, but I'm going to assume it's some sort of Elden Ring phrase that you've picked up from your time looking at the game. Now, I've been staying away from everything other than reading stuff there this morning that apparently the day one patch is breaking it left, right and center, but just yeah. hoping that it gets better. I have been watching uh, with kind of, you know, is it sh- called Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude. That's the, yeah, taking joy in someone else's mistakes. Yeah, I, 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 I've, I've kind of been uh, having a bit of that today because I've been looking at all of the streamers who managed to get their copy early. And mm. so they've been playing since last night. Mm. And uh, I've been watching like Fextra Live play it and some of the other people. They're like thousands upon thousands of people play uh, watching them play <laughs> and they're having a great old time and then uh-huh. this morning i've logged on and seen them playing it where the patch has been uh installed and they're like oh performance issues seems to be hit- hitting us quite hard <laughs> let's switch from ps5 over to pc let's make sure we play it on the pc shall we mm-hmm. like it's well the thing yeah. is like the thing is doing the rounds at the minute and I, don't, I i hope i absolutely hope it's not another oh my god it's actually really broken launch day thing but apparently no, no. The, the day one patch is making things worse but hopefully not in a demonstrable way so there is a, the the patch is needed though because the PS5 yes. players are telling us that um, the low the first cutscene uh, can sometimes just brick the entire game like it, <laughs> like uh, black screen no. the entire thing so it's it's just. If you can get past the cutscene, then things are fine. The thing, <laughs> like, the thing that made me itch was like uh, Digital Foundry said that the PS4 version has more consistent performance. And I was like, can we, can you just, I've spent the money, lads. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm in, I've bought the tickets. Like I'm here waiting for the gig. Like you're telling me that I could have just been better off with the old system. Like that's just ridiculous. Anyway. What a I, time to be alive, eh? It, exactly. And it's like, this is gaming now. We just Google quality versus performance mode yeah. and hope <laughs> yeah. for the best. Maybe it's patched or not. But yeah, this is the entire Battle Podcast. I'm Scott Tilford, joined by Jules Gill. Hello, hello, hello. UBP, every UBP, single UBP, week, UBP. UBP, we ask all people's thoughts, questions, whatever they'd like us to talk about. And we've got a lovely bunch of coconuts in. We had a whole bunch of stuff last week as well. And we put a fresh tweet out to just see what people would like us to talk about from this week of gaming. And um, so we'll get to as many as we can. First question from Jack Asbury, who says, hey, guys, happy Elden Ring Day. Well, happy the same to you. <laughs> this is going to be my first Soulsborne game. So my question is, am I crazy for jumping in at this stage? We also had a question from Darren Martin saying, hey, guys, thinking about getting this, but never played a Souls game before. Okay. If I was going to start with one, which game would you suggest have a cracking day you thank you very much for your nice kind words as well lads um i would say that this is the perfect place for you to jump in uh, because after watching all the footage and having a brief bit of uh, time with the game myself i am looking at it thinking that this is the perfect distillation of what the dark souls ethos actually is Mm. it's uh challenging in places but because of the open world layout of the game it means you can go and approach different areas back off go and try something new and that was always the thing that i found not um, discouraging about the Dark Souls games prior, like Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. 
but I did feel that sometimes it would uh, bottleneck you into you cannot get past this until you're good enough to do it. And that's fine because that's what right, these games right. are all about. It's overcoming the challenge. Mm. But here it means that you get to decide your own difficulty ramp by going, I'm going to explore over here, get my ass kicked. Maybe I'll get one or two enemies, <laughs> but they're worth a lot more souls and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's fun. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it's the best explained in terms of an upfront story like you are given okay. all of the details straight away as to what your goal actually is quite clearly you meet people along the way within the first 10 15 minutes that actively tell you where you need to go what you need uh. to do there's helpful little things like you know when you get to the we'll just call them bonfires for the sake yes. of uh, people understanding they what they are do they call them runes now instead of souls that like we've had yes, like it's runes instead of, yeah, and, yeah yeah it's runes instead of souls um what or happens is, is that when you light up the bonfire if there is a main quest active you may see see a ray of light in forming an arc going from the <laughs> bonfire pointing you in the right direction as to where your next main goal is okay. there's little things like that that have made mm -hmm. it so that this is a perfect jumping in point plus you get the added benefit of all of those years of trial and error from from software tweaking mm -hmm. the formula making sure that it's best it possibly can be Personally, I found that that capped out at Dark Souls 3. I really love the right. way that they approach that it's game. Three, and I would so say, and I would say that this is what it is. It feels like 3, but with stealth elements added in from Sekiro, and that is not a bad thing. No, no, that's the thing. I've, I've seen a lot of people saying it's the culmination of everything that they've learned. And I, one yeah. of the things that I love, I was thinking about this in light of Horizon and, and how safe Horizon feels and how, you know, so many different things feel like they have to be this massive cross-media franchise thing. Mm -hmm. Like you see Sony pushing into cinemas and you see like Horizon's going to be a VR experience and there are all these big things things and i feel like other than dark souls from soft have always done a new a new ip every single time and i yeah. love i kind of love that about them and i love that you're kind of seeing like elden ring like you said it's like this culmination of all the dark souls lessons maybe some of the speedier combat from bloodborne and then some of the parrying and the stealth from um, sekiro and it's kind of everything all in one for me i think that if you've never played any soulsborne games you should still do the original dark souls remastered like i was on that a couple of nights ago just prepping okay. for elden ring because that game has been patched on next gen like it does run at 1800p but it runs at 60 FPS, um, which okay. I know PC folk have always had solid frame rates, but us console peasants had 30 <laughs> FPS for the last decade. So Mate, um, you had yeah. five FPS if you got to buy town for the <laughs> yeah. pre-patch, man. That was bad. That was slideshow. Flip, uh, flip book frame rates. But yeah, I would still say go experience the original Dark Souls, even if you don't finish it, but at least you know where they're coming from. I think that'll let you appreciate the stuff that Jules is talking about. It's, it's a nice com companion piece, I would think. And also it's always in sale, so it's super yeah. cheap. Like it, because of Elden Ring coming out, I'm pretty sure they're going to do a From Software uh, like franchise mm. sale, and they'll probably have to pick it up real cheap for that. Yeah, but it's like, like overall they're a f they're a really fascinating studio to watch right now. Like they're kind of on the form of their lives, and it seems like Elden Ring is their crowning achievement. I'm I'm, I'm sitting at home as we record this. I'm, I'm watching out the window, waiting for my copy of Elden Ring <laughs> to arrive. I can't wait to dive in. But I got some fancy special edition thing. Otherwise, I would have been on it since midnight. But yeah, it's I'm waiting huge. To dive by in. the way, the, that's like, what I keep um, hearing that it's at the I, biggest game world ever. I was watching Rach, big shout out to Rach, do her uh, Twitch stream this uh, morning. And she has the thing, it's, it's bigger than her head and it's like <laughs> down to where her hair ends. It's oh, like, I thought you the size of the game world. <laughs> No, 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 no. I mean, the actual game, the special edition thing. Yeah, yeah, the special edition thing is huge. Yeah, it's absolutely huge. Well, there's loads of like, there's a collector's figure version. There's a the one with like a big. I think that's the one thing. she's got. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I want the one with the big lion man on it. I don't know who anyone's called. I just know there's a lion man. Oh, yeah, he's, he's mates with a lion. I, there's, there's a lion in there, basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying. But um, overall, yeah, Elden Ring's going to be the thing that a lot of people are talking about. It kind of feels crazy just how much stuff is out now, like Horizon, yeah. Elden Ring, Pokemon, Dying Light. It's just left, right, and center. Um, but next question from Sugaru, who says, with the 
announcement of Street Fighter Six having just happened, what is your favorite fighting game of all time? Oh, that's a tough question. Tekken because, 3, Jules. Well, Tekken 3 is a monumental game. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it's absolutely flawless. Plus, mm. obviously, the uh, sheer salty rage that you could create by just spamming Eddie's uh, low kicks <laughs> attacks. Or uh, is it Lei Wu? Uh, no, Eddie's, um, Eddie does the uh, capoeira stuff where he's just but then there's on the spot. Uh, Lei where you can like drop down onto the floor and pretend to be asleep and then do the drunken uh, fighting style. <laughs> that was great fun. All the in... stuff. Oh, mate, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but in terms of like my favorite fighting game, mm-hmm. um, I had a lot of fun with Dragon Ball Fighters uh, or Fighter yeah, Z, actually. if you want to be that type of guy. Yes, um, yes. But I also was thinking about this the other day, like what fighting games have come and gone that didn't get like their true chance to shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skullgirls is phenomenally good. Okay. Um, and also there's there's a fighting game whose name I cannot remember, but I could describe it. And I'm hoping that somebody will message me with it, it with what it is. It's a 2D, like um, hand-drawn, like anime style thing, but it's, mm. it's set in like a fantasy realm. Okay. And one of the characters is like a squire with a lance, and then there's a giant knight. It's it's all like fant- <laughs> like high fantasy based, and it's utterly brilliant because is that like, not the thing that they just brought back in the Capcom announcement? I no, it was no, it wasn't that one. Um, but it, that's actually what got me thinking of it because right. when I saw that Capcom announcement thing for all those games, I was so happy to see the Dark Siders, uh, Dark Striders, Dark Siders. Something like that's what I'm trying to think of. It's something you know, like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's too early in the morning. I can't remember which one it is, but I could see it's the love for all of these like uh, fighting game franchises that haven't had the repackages and it was like only one street fighter game in that collection i was like mm-hmm. good capcom are actually appreciating the fact that some people have got every single version of street the thing fighter is as 2. well yeah that's what i was gonna say like, i remember when me and you i was thinking of this yesterday when street fighter 2 first came to switch we did a review for it which i think is still on mm-hmm. the youtube on the channel but it was the first time street fighter came to the switch and i that's the thing if i'm talking about the best fighting game of all time part of me the absolute simp in me would go back to street fighter 2 like that game is timeless for a reason um, and that would be my favorite street fighter but yeah yeah, in terms of fighting games, definitely Tekken 3 is always my crowning mm-hmm. jewel. Mortal Kombat 11, I think, is right up there as well. Um, it's so <clears> polished, isn't it, Mortal it's Kombat? It's so 11. good. The fighting's so good. The balancing is so good. They finally found a way to, like, nerf Scorpion Spear, so you can't just do that over and over again. Um, but, yeah, what did you think of the Street Fighter 6 stuff? Because we've not talked about that. He's Ryu's a very wide boy. He is. They've gone for thickness, haven't they? I think they're trying one. to do the male version of what happened with Lady Dimitras. I think they're just going down. Because I showed it to my wife and she went, oh, oh, hello. Yeah. Oh, very, mm. very, very wide, this man. And I was like, oh, are you trying to do this sort of like super sexy character over the top thing? But for the male physique rather than over overblown chesticles from uh, Lady Dimitras. I feel like there's um, like an appreciation for the beef that is uh, <laughs> more than ever shown in this beef current day and age. Yeah. yeah, well, I think yeah, beef creation, uh, like a, a, pre- a brief, re- there's, there's, there's a joke somewhere there in somewhere. There. Yeah, Somebody yeah. will find that joke. Um, <laughs> so I do agree with you. And I love the fact that Luke's come back from uh, an old Street Fighter character. Who's right. the guy who like, squ- uh, squares up to him. Um, not entirely sure if they're meant to suggest that he's uh, Ryu's... Like student now, I'm not entirely I, sure. I said that I saw, sorry, that he was built up as some big deal. Like he's he's yeah. he's meant to be a big deal. I've not, I didn't know who he was until I saw it's that. It's always trailer. strange not to see Ken whenever you see Ryu, yeah. though, isn't it? It's always a bit like off-putting. Like think, where is he? Do you think Ken will be super beef as well, or do you think they'll differentiate him, given the, the you know super long hair and stuff again? I just want to see um, uh, him be like the full-on antagonist to the uh, to the thing. Ooh. Get move over M Bison. Let's go like all your friends <laughs> betray you, sort of thing. Um, I kinda... I'm I'm not keen on the logo. Of Street no, Fighter 6. I saw I people that was... saying that it's literally taken from um, like a Photoshop template thing. Like people pointed to the original one and they what? said like it just looks like uh, Capcom have taken this really basic hexagonal logo um, and there's already a version existing with S and F in it. 
And then yeah. you just added a little number six in the corner. So it's it I, it mustn't be the final one. There's no way it's final. But why would you debut with that? It's a it's a bit of a shame. Ridiculous. Yes. But overall, I think that um, yeah, Street Fighter Six, all that stuff is apparently in engine in the teaser. So it seems like it is going to be this massive visual um upgrade from where Street Fighter uh, four and five were. I'm I am hyped for it. Like, don't get me wrong, I will mm. get this game when it comes out, but I'm I'm Street always going to have done it for me in a while. Well, I just remember the sort of absolute debacle that was the um, Street Fighter Five launch, where they mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, here's a full price game. Uh, there's no story mode. There's a bare bones uh, training mode. All you get is literally just like the fighting engine oh, yeah, and yeah. online features, and even those were pretty limited at the time." Mm-hmm. It's like this isn't an early access game. This is from a huge publisher with a massive legacy. So why are we being? Treated oh, it was to just, a they, piecemeal experience. Yeah, they just uh, steered full bore into the esports scene. It was mm. like, well, we, all we need is the versus mode because it's going to be. It's, it had to be made for the Capcom Pro Tour that year or something. Yeah. So it's yeah. Hopefully they've learned from that. And um, yeah, I'm curious how it, it feels. Street Fighter should be up there. It feels like it should be up there with more. I mean, yeah. it is in reputation, but like they haven't had a Mortal Kombat 11 or Tekken 7 sized installment in a while. Um, but yes, next question from Donovan, the nice prince. He's got the nice prince. He's the nice, <laughs> nice. prince. He's the nice um, prince. Stuck between playing Cyberpunk and Sifu, which should I complete first? Now you completed Sifu this week, I think. I did. I literally uh, came off the back of completing it in my stream that I had on Wednesday over on Little Let's Dice. Plug, plug, nice. plug, 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 nice. plug, plug. Um, it was a fantastic experience. I had such I a good time. And the best thing is, is that if you are in the zone, if you can get into the mindset, mm. you can complete the game in under like four to five hours, like yeah. just hammer through all of that. So I would say that it's a great sort of starter to then jump into the next game afterwards. Mm -hmm. And plus, it is so polished. Like, you can tell that they took what Absolver did uh, for Slow Clap, wasn't it? They both... so they it took the engine and all the things that refined it down to its most simplest elements and just made a stonker of a fighting game. I I, like... It's it's perfect. Like I think yeah. I I love to. I mean the thing is like it, it made me throw a controller across the room. It made me bite a controller. But it's still I still think it's my game of the year so far. I think it's absolutely pristine and easily recommendable. What's funny is is that like uh, games like Dark Souls and stuff like that. I do sometimes have trouble like uh, recognizing patterns and when to dodge mm. because of all like oh do I dodge when the strike is going to connect or do I do it before so I actually roll under it. I'm never entirely sure what the hitbox is for right. it. Whereas this was like if a punch is being thrown and you are pressing back to dodge out the way, mm. you will dodge because it's literally yes. just dodge the hit rather than dodge when you think you're about to be hit. Yeah, apart from whole... some bosses, obviously they play with that expectation. The but... thing I never of all because now I'm trying to I'm, I'm so close to the platinum, I need to finish the whole game yeah. on less than 25 age. And I'm never, I'm probably never going to be able to do that. But like, I, I managed to get to the third boss just staying on age 20. And then the, her first phase, where it's those big arcing sword swipe with yeah. things, can't dodge them to save my life. I can do the rest of it, it's fine. But like, the start of that boss just absolutely destroys but- me. But that's the thing, like every single boss is all like about a different style of play. Mm. So it's like you're, your first boss there where you actually need to push as aggressively as he does. You got Sean, the stick wielding prick who's in the second one there. And it's literally <laughs> all just about like standing up next to him and dodging and just yeah. getting in the attacks. When it comes to the third boss, it completely throws all that out the window. Mm. It just says, right, you have to wait for your opening and just chip away slowly, but slowly. And you know, when she does the, um, uh, the spinning attack where she does like a whirlwind of yeah. like things, just hold block and smash block. Yeah, I love it. That, it's, yeah. it's like um uh the uh, uh not human centipede but it's like giraffe centipede from Sekiro. yes like you, like you have to jump down and just take the parry hits to break its own like stamina gauge mm-hmm. thing and it's like 
once I found that out, that boss became a, like a piece of cake. Like, I've, gotten through, I've gotten through that boss. Uh, now I'm at the tower, which is the fourth one, uh -huh. at level 23 with my shaggy character because obviously I've <laughs> modded the game straight away. And I still, unfortunately though, I don't think that that's good enough because I think right. you need level 20 going into the fifth boss because he kicked my ass that so final fight when you're talking about spamming l1 i watched uh Dan, shout out to dan allen gaming i watched his strat for the uh, the final boss because i was like i'm gonna see what other people are doing to beat this yeah. final boss and um he was saying yeah you can pretty much just hammer l1 in the first phase of the last fight and just block everything because the, really? the windows line up yeah so the, the first oh, phase man. first phase of the last fight is actually really easy it's the second phase after that um where yang starts coming at you with a mix of unblockable stuff or harder to block stuff yeah where spamming won't get you anymore and his timings are different and everything else did you enjoy the fact that as soon as you go up to me, you try to use your focus thing and you just can't use focus against it? It's like, oh no, I've sunk so many points into this. Well, oh, so God, no. You've just put in the Buddha statue just before then, you've probably just banked, or whatever the statue is, you've just banked XP on yeah. the final focus yeah. move and you can't use the damn thing. Because one of the only trophies that I've got left to do is a level three um, focus move. So it's like, yeah, stuff yeah. like that I need to, um, to put into. Overall though, um, yeah, I, I don't know. You can't really go wrong. Like between Cyberpunk now is phenomenal. I've actually been playing quite a lot of that across the last week. Um, and so I think, I mean, I've always loved Cyberpunk, but it's very much a gorgeous, recommendable game. The story, everything just comes together nicely now. And um, in a way that I think a lot of PC people had before, but the console stuff's caught up to it. Mm -hmm. And they've made tons of quality of life uh, improvements and stuff. Um, Sifu though is a lot shorter and punchier. And if you get mm -hmm. lockstep with its combat, then you'll burn through that pretty fast and in a very nice, satisfying way. That's the thing. It will be truly satisfying to finish mm. it. Like as um, Cyberpunk is a project, whereas Sifu yep. is like a as a challenge. And if you can do it, you're just going to feel so much better afterwards. Massively. Um, next question from McAllister NYC. I just replayed Cyberpunk 1.5 and had a question about vehicles. When you drive in games, do you do the first person or pulled back view? The former is more immersive, but the latter is easier. Have a great day. You too. Oh, you too, my friend. But 100, I use the pulled back camera because Same. I like to see what's going on to actually I don't anticipate know those what's coming. Who play like in that. first person? Who who are they? <laughs> it's, it's people who play the F1 games in first person when it's right. like they've, the, the cockpit is just full of stuff <laughs> and they can barely see and they're going like 100, 200 miles an hour. And it's just like, oh, how are you reacting that, to this? You know when people do that thing where they put the camera on the very front of the car so you're not even seeing... That's fine. I can, I oh, can do really? that. Oh, really? That's the yeah, thing I that I that. can't even do at all because I'm like, I'm like, it's like I'm navigating, like I'm in like a wind tunnel. I'm sort of like, you know... Yeah, but I just feel like I'm flying at, at that point. It's like I used to do it on Wipeout <laughs> when you just start like... Whoosh, whoosh. Oh, that thing. I did that on the VR when it was Wipeout VR and it just gave That's me immediate motion sickness. So good. But that thing, yeah, trying to put the camera on the very front of something, that's the one thing I can't do. But yeah, both of us would be the pulled out view. Yeah. Um, for the most It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. But now we brought, I'm going to bring another question in from McAllister from last week, um, who says, wondering about all these new video game adaptations like Halo, Uncharted, etc. Yeah. Do you feel these should be animated with the original voice actors or go is, or is live action okay? I mean, honestly, who could play Andrew Ryan in the flesh? That's mm. an interesting question. Because they did get, um, I forget the name of the person now, who the voices Cortana um, is in the Halo TV series, but yes. she's also a hybrid of like the live action version, the new version of Halsey and everything else. But yeah, I mean, I personally prefer anime. I love the Castlevania anime. Yeah. So um, I think that is a better way to go. I think you can do more with animation that lines up with the games more than live action stuff. But in saying that, I saw Uncharted this week and it was pretty good. Well, the thing is, is that like, there's like, when you have uh, live action stuff, you've always got the risk of having CGI or VFX elements not lining up to how mm. you imagined it. And like, even the 100 million tentpole blockbusters can have some pretty shoddy uh, graphic works from time to time. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you put it into an animation, then you can control the scene however you want. You can show mm -hmm. the action from however you want and you can keep things consistent throughout, or at least mm -hmm. you should be able to do so at a much easier pace. Yeah, I yeah. personally would much prefer if somebody said, okay, uh, there's a Halo movie coming out and it's live action. I would say if they said, it's a uh, animation or a CGI thing. I probably would prefer the CGI thing because it would yeah. feel closer to what I know from a movie source, from the cutscenes that I've obviously seen rendered before mm -hmm. in those games. It's just for me, it's like looking at, um, like I said, Castlevania is incredible. Dragon's Dogma, Dota, like the Devil May Cry anime was great. I know it's a few years old now, but like it just, there's so much you can do with movement. You can really nail a fight mm -hmm. scene in a way. Um, although uh, we mentioned Sifu before, Sony put out a live action Sifu. It's like a trailer for the game, but it's also just a little mini movie. And the fight mm -hmm. scenes in that are brilliant. If no one's seen that stuff and you like good tight choreography, it's brilliant. Um, but so, then yeah. again, right, okay, so what we're looking at there is um, an element that was already populated and mm. pop sorry, popularized by uh, film media 
medium like True. kung fu movies were already a thing that this mm. game replicates to a t it's not the other way around where master chief no. is being replicated in live action that's where it falls down if that's you're true. adapting from real life uh, things that have already been made popular it makes sense when uh, like when you translate them to video games it's easier i think oh yeah definitely i think and, uh, the, the reason i mentioned the seafood thing is that they do a cool like cg enhanced um like uh, animation thing for each attack so it's like it zooms in more on some of the hits and they yeah. give them um camera shakes and they sort of like it, they lean into the almost an anime um mentality with it a little bit more which is just a really cool visual to it um in terms of who could play andrew ryan i'm gonna go with brian cranston i don't know if you have a go-to uh, Andrew Ryan, but I think the stature of Cranston, take his Walter White, let him do the speech from Bioshock, and I think he would nail it. He probably would do very, very well at that. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who else you A man chooses, do. Jesse. I'm trying to think of who you could actually cast that would actually do it justice, and it's a very tough job because mm. maybe... You can, can accentuate with the golf club very well. Maybe Josh Brolin, maybe? That's a show. That's a really good show. But only because of the fact that he's absolutely stonking in whatever he turns in. <laughs> I mean, if you could get Daniel Day-Lewis back out of retirement, that would mm. be a good... Oh, do you know what would be a, a left-field thing? If they got Javier Bardem, like, sort of let him be... Because oh, like, yeah. I know he's not direct uh, one-on-one, but I feel like he can do a really regal, controlled performance that slowly gets more unhinged to the point where, not to, I guess not to give away Bioshock's spoiler, but what that, where that scene goes. Yeah. He would be the best unhinged guy um, for where that scene goes. That would be brilliant. I give it, give it, because you know sometimes comedy actors can turn in really good serious mm. roles. Give it to Rob Delaney. I reckon that Rob <laughs> Delaney could probably turn out a really serious performance. Like a really mostly guy from Always Sunny. No, no, that's um, that's uh, uh, oh, who's that guy that w- worked out loads and now he's massive? Uh, oh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, that is Mac from Always Sunny. You are describing right. that, that, yeah, that yeah. but that's I don't. That's not who I'm thinking of. Is it Rob Delaney? <laughs> it's, it's he was on a um on a comedy show on Channel Four recently. Okay. Uh, I oh, reckon, that guy. Yeah, is yeah, that, that guy. Is. Yeah, that's Rob Delaney. I reckon okay. he could make a good Andrew Ryan. He should have been Sully. In that, um, I mean, that moustache is that stonking, mate. Sully esque instead of uh, Mr. Mark Wahlberg, even though, like I said, I like the Uncharted movie. But um, yeah, yeah overall, Wahlberg, though, Wahlberg's uh, moustache was a bit uh, uh, it, rat, it's ratty, terrible. wasn't it? It's only in the post credit scene as well. It's not even in the. You movie called that? You called all. that? Oh, so dude, yeah, bad. it's that's Sony Marketing 101 is like thing you actually came for is in the post credits. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the, in terms of uh, Andrew Ryan, though, I feel like a lot of things have to go right for this Bioshock adaptation, and mm-hmm. like hopefully they do that stuff well. I I both do and don't want them to recreate that scene like i think it, like fans would be like oh my god it's that moment but at the same time if you're just redoing it um it's been done pretty perfectly in the game so far anyway and um, my next question from you done messed up aaron who says hope your days are going well gentlemen wondering about sifu what old school martial arts movies do you think it draws on the most i see a lot of on back and old boy old boy definitely yeah old boy 100 um i mean it's not a an old school movie but the raid 100 going through the, um, the squats mm. at the beginning feels very similar to that um mm-hmm. i'd say that uh it draws a lot from kill bill especially in the third boss battle i mean that sure. is a direct recreation oh, God, of that yeah. mm-hmm. um like down to like the snowy uh uh background i'd throw some jackie chan in there just in terms of oh, old yeah. boy mentality in the fights um, because literally the, the the ability you unlock to just like whip a bottle at someone or yeah, catch so something good. out of the sky. Um, if someone's throwing something at you, is it feels pure Jackie Chan, even though other people oh, tell have done you, it. There is nothing more satisfying than when you're next to one of those little footstool things and yeah. like somebody's coming up towards you and they've got like a staff in their hand, like, oh, I'll take you on and just shove that nope. right into them. They're like, what my, my legs. <laughs> I think more games need and that's the thing, more games need environmental interaction. Let me grab stuff off the walls, let me do those things. 
I will say that there's one thing that I wish that Sifu had, and that was a relentless dicking mode, which basically allowed you to, uh, you know, when you stand over somebody and you punch them twice and bring them back up to their feet. Just let don't, them stay down. Don't just, don't just punch them twice. Punch yes. them twice, then boot them in the face, and then keep punching them more and more and more. If, kind of like... if they're the last enemy, it should just allow you to do, you know, remember yes. the Gears of War thing where you used to be able oh, to like, yeah, punch totally just and, and just kept on bam, 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 until the head exploded. <laughs> just do that. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, because why can't you just burn a focus bar in that animation to finish just kill them, them straight like, away. I mean, there you go. Because like sometimes you're fighting enemies that you just wish would die. the yellow guys, the, yeah, the guys that go into flame. Yeah. Let me pace them. Like every time they come, I'm like, why are you getting him back up off the ground? I don't want to keep fighting him. I want you to stand on his face. And so well, that'll be for anything. the uh, that'll be for the sequel, Seif Two. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Next question from Mike, who says, "Scott or Jules, who's going to adopt me?" Go Ooh, feel. Well, uh, the thing is, though, we don't know anything about this uh, person who wants adopting. I mean, I am on the doorstep. I'm a man of the people. I want to give uh, people a second, you know, home, loving environment, <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, my, I don't know if you knew this, but my mum was actually adopted. Um, no and she's, and it's one of those things where it's instilled in Kerry and I, like mm. our, if, if we were to ever have a kid, that's how the route that we would do that's it. Nice. Uh, because of the fact that, you know, I'm not going to get on my little soapbox. Oh, wait, yes, I am. I personally <laughs> believe that there's, you know, there's enough people in the world already that mm-hmm. um, have, that need love and support in a home. So why not look at that as an option first? That's um, a lovely message. I largely line up with that too. I think that, um, so to be honest, probably both of us. Maybe we do shared custody. Maybe I'll. Mate, that'd be wicked. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I get to see you more, and we'd also get to like teach the kid in different ways how to like approach gaming. Because you yeah. would be like, okay, gaming is a, uh, a a life source, and you'll be playing twenty hours a day minimum. And then there's me just be like, ah, pick up the game of the year edition about five years down the line. <laughs> you get to play the one that's actually finished, whereas I'm yeah, slogged yeah. through the yeah. the weird thirty FPS version. So next question from a Corel type show who says, hope both of you are well. Do you guys think? review embargoes are necessary or does it only serve to prolong hypes around video game marketing something that i think gamers can do with less cheers from indonesia also a question from steve who says how does the review process affect your experience of games does having mm. to rush through something or think more analytically affect your ability to just sit and enjoy the first experience yes Those are I mean, some... that's, that's intentional yeah. that's a very good uh, pair of questions and big mm. love to indonesia by the way um yeah, so I find that when we're reviewing games, personally, it's a lot more stressful than just being able to enjoy it in my own time because, yes, you do have to rush through. And unfortunately, people seem to only think that reviewing a game means that you have to have finished a game. And while I totally understand why that is, that doesn't actually necessarily uh, need to ring true to give somebody an impression of what this game has to offer. Mm -hmm. I could recommend you a game even when I'm 80% through saying I am loving this game at the moment. And true, it may fall off the cliff in the end thing. But if I've 40, 50 hours in, Mm. I would still say that that is worth the price of admission to get that enjoyment factor. I do feel that we, uh, the review embargoes are... They're a blessing and a curse. Um, obviously, you do get to enjoy the game beforehand and you have to abide by what the developer wants, mm. but they can be used as an aggressive marketing campaign to actively withhold um, reviews from being bad and hurting game sales. And sometimes they can do so like, for example, uh, Elden Ring, we only got a code, but obviously, thank you very much, uh, Bandai, for sen- Bandai Namco for sending us uh, through one. Mm-hmm. But it's a case of, we got only we got it yesterday so it means that we don't have a review ready uh, for launch day mm-hmm. and obviously that's what we're aiming for you want a review to come in for launch day but uh it means that it's sort of delayed and it affects the 
quality or the worthwhileness of having a review. Well, there was a, a massive discussion around Elden Ring because this game seems to average about 80, 90 hours long. And there was a discussion as the embargoes went up from a bunch of different reviewers just said, asking each other, did you actually finish it? And I know mm -hmm. IGN, whoever did the review for IGN did finish it, but a lot of people didn't. And there was a conversation around, you know, when a studio allocates review code and it's like, okay, turn this game around in a week. And I think both of us have crunched reviews before. Like I stayed up until four in the morning for Final mm -hmm. Fantasy VII Remake, Uncharted 4, I did in a blur, Horizon I did in one weekend. With like, Metroid Dread, I just absolutely powered mm. through that game. And even though I absolutely loved it, I know that I probably would have had a better time overall um, if I was able to take my time and learn and go around and just explore a bit more. I was basically under the pressure of, you have to speed run this game without even knowing anything about it. Well, that's the thing. And I think like, I ultimately do think that the um, crunch a game in a week, in a couple of weeks, in a, in a whatever, it's it's rarely more than a few days. Like nine, nine times out of 10, it's here's the game. You got two days, go, go get it done. I think that approach to stuff is outdated and is dying. I think that as we have podcasts, as we have, you know, even like, even specifically to our culture, we can dissect a game for the next couple of years. Like mm -hmm. oh, this, this level was great. This plot twist was great. Like there, that, for me, that's all a version of review coverage in terms of an overall recommendation, even though yeah. I know that specifically it's put this one video together, put this one article together. Um, I don't think people read article reviews anymore. I just don't think that's the case. I think people might look at what something like what we do, where it's a itemized pros and cons list. But I think people just want to know, is this worth my time? Like the hype yeah. is taken over. Should I dive in or not? And um, and that's largely what a review serves. But there is also the fact that the term review is such a search term and um, that so many people get on that. And then uh, as is the questions are saying, um, that then folds back into the marketing, generates a lot mm -hmm. of hype, generates a lot of sales. Um, but it is, it's a fascinating thing. I think we've had decades of this approach of everything skews towards the review and a lot of outlets then abandon their coverage after that. Whereas like, I would like to think that we do constant coverage of the vast majority of games, yeah. um, especially in the year that they're released, they'll pop up in all the lists, they'll pop up in the podcasts and um, they'll sometimes be streamed. Like we do as much as we can. I think that's our approach to review coverage, um, but it changes outlet to outlet. Mm, it's a very strange thing because even um, like you say, Outlet to Outlet have got completely different views on what it is. Like mm. um, H Bomber guy might put out a three-hour-long video on why you should play Fallout New I Vegas ten, 10 years after the fact, but that review is going to actually get more eyes on it than the IGN review of mm. the same game did on the day of launch. Mm -hmm. Like it's a case of picking your game and just doing what's right for the outlet uh, rather than that. I if it was up to me, I wouldn't want to have stuff out on day one of release. Uh, even though I know that it would get us better views, I'd want to have stuff that actually is more thought-provoking, thinking yeah. about the game, actually diving deep into the mechanics and, and basically serving as a recommendation. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't like putting out videos of great length slagging on a game. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that that works um, for, for the way I want to write mm -hmm. because... I just think that what's the point? What's the point of waste, not wasting or taking an hour to complain about a game mm -hmm. unless there's a conversation around it that changes the developer's perspectives moving forward? That's the like, thing. I think some of it can be fascinating. Like for me, like if, if someone did a two-hour version of exactly what went wrong with Anthem or the Avengers or Mass Effect Andromeda, I would watch that. Not yeah, in a, but, but, not but in calling, a it a review, sense, but yeah. calling it a review oh, right, is yeah. different. You know what I mean? Like, like oh, it's, totally, it's, yeah. it's a weird thing. I see some people putting out like, like hour-long things saying why they absolutely hate this game. And it's like, <laughs> you've, that, that game has lived rent-free in your brain. Like right. that game won, that beat you. Because yeah. of the fact that you are now sitting here screaming into the void saying how much you hate it. But... <laughs> 
you're really just basically giving it more attention. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's the thing. I think some of it, like for me, it's all just part of the conversation. Like I love talking about games and it's like, when when's the when's the first date we can talk about X thing? Well, sometimes mm. maybe you get it early and you can talk about it on a specific day that lines up with when the public get access to it. <clears throat> Excuse me, maybe we do a podcast earlier or something. But I love all parts of that conversation. You know, like, is it worth yeah. it? What's this plot twist? Like, let's talk about the story. Let's talk about the ending. Yeah. Like, I, I love all parts of that stuff. I tell you what does really annoy me though is mm. when you get um, discrepancies between review outlets. When right. we've talked to people who are just like, "Oh, I've actually had the game for two weeks. You've only had it for like right, one right. week." Like, I understand that there are some people that specialize in that game and are therefore more popular up the chain, but it does create a weird sort of like, "Oh, I've got exclusive access. Oh, I've, right. oh, I'm going to be able to actually provide this. I'm going to be able to do that." And mm. it's like are they buying your opinion the more early access they give you? Because clearly in mm. their eyes, you're a more air quotes, trusted and safe pair of hands. There is and like an invisible, yeah, there is like an invisible allocation thing, which makes sense. If you are a PR company, you're going to allocate the review to who's going to serve your title best. Like there was a mm-hmm. time in years gone by where we weren't getting access to Ubisoft stuff because we were rightfully calling out the how yeah. naff a lot of those games were yeah. in a row. And we did the same thing with Bethesda many moons ago, many years ago, um, which is fair. I think if you're if that's your job, allocate positive review coverage and um, then you're not going to target the outlet who yeah. is slagging your studio off. that's fine um but overall um that whole thing of you know like review coverage and what does it serve and the mentality that you have to have going into it and the allocation that we have um it can be an insane crunch and yes it does affect your ability to play a video game i personally think that you're better off just playing anything in a more relaxed setting and i think that having now done this for nine years um, I don't care that much about getting something early. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. you're playing it in such a vacuum. You can't talk to anyone. Like no yeah. one has, no one knows any of the reference points you're hearing. Um, it's way more fun to go through something and have a group chat ready and open and go, how far have you got? Did you see this? Oh my God. What about this plot twist? I love that a lot more. And going through something as a group is way more fun and partnering it with a podcast um, yeah. or whatever that like, you know, that's just a better experience. So I, I do think the review stuff will, will die off eventually, but it's, specifically up against how valuable the search term x game and then review is because yeah. that's that's what people uh, skew towards and you've obviously got the thing as well because we are such a large organization there's mm. multiple voices here and we all have different opinions yeah, so absolutely. if i come out and i say what if i just said like i absolutely bloody hate elden ring but you absolutely <laughs> love it like but that conversation is, is way more but, valuable than just one that's, of us. yeah but that's that's fine as a podcast we can get mm. to the middle ground and find out why i have those uh, thoughts and why not but if it was just me if i was just given the review code and given the early access and we mm. put it out day one then what culture hates elden ring right and that right. inspires a lot of ire hatred within the community to therefore target at us for more stuff and it's not the voice of all of the people it's the voice of the person who got that like you say because they're in a vacuum they couldn't talk to anyone about it yeah. to understand that maybe this is why it was the way it was mm-hmm. like it's um the review process is a very confusing one yeah. like it's not as simple and clear-cut as as it uh pertains to be no and like i said i think all i think all video games are a conversation like and maybe that sounds a bit airy fairy but i just think it is like i think that you have day one impressions you have oh my god is it worth it did they did they land the hype machine is it worth yeah. diving into right. like the amount know, it's of- a constant thing the amount of great discussions that you and I have had personally mm. just over which games we like and which games we don't. And sometimes we've had it so that you start off one thing saying, I don't like this game, but yeah. talking to you or me about it, come out the other side saying, I, I appreciate that game. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to write that game or franchise off. I'm going to give it another chance later mm-hmm. down the line. And I feel like that is what's more important for the video game industry rather than just have, like, it was that they say in, um, uh, the Big Lebowski. Everyone's uh, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Opinion, but man. but if you if you ch- if you actually chat to somebody about it, if you take your opinion, don't hold it as sacrosanct and allow yeah. it to be shaped and warped by actual feedback from others, then you'll come out as a more well-rounded individual. It's yep. the same as just like any aspect in life. 
Mm-hmm. Don't no, be afraid. To, don't, like, don't be afraid to be wrong. Like, yes, exactly. The thing is, we'll we'll put all this uh, pedal to the metal or whatever on Wednesday because me, you, and Jewel, Emmy, you and Josh will be talking about Elden Ring. Yes, we will. Played yeah. it by then. Yes, we can dive in and see how right or wrong we are. Whether the game lives up to all these different uh, the ninety-eight Metacritic stuff, or whether so, or not you've managed to even get past the. Well, first that's the scene. thing. <laughs> I'm looking out the window right now, Jules. It's still not here. Where, where, where is it? Where's my patches and everything? But um, but yeah, for now though, this has been the Untitled Panda Podcast. I've been your host, Scott Hilford, joined by Jules Gill. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much for listening and sending in your questions. The UBP, the UBP, UBP. the UBP. I'm going to catch you next week. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.